Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to episode four of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Keenan Bonner and Sean Shute. This week, the matchup we're getting stuck into is 2006's Borat versus 2012's Project X. Yo. Here we go. How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. Grand. Not bad at all, mate. I wasn't enthusiastic, but I'll put that down to the heat. (laughs) Anyway. Project X, we go straight into it. Synopsis. Three high school seniors throw a birthday party to make a name for themselves. As the night progresses, things spiral out of control as word of the party spreads. Can you all remember how you were doing in 2012? Can you eight years ago? That is a horrible thought. Thinking about the world ending. <laughs> yeah. Going to, how- trying, trying to go to house parties. <laughs> was the film 2012 released in 2012 uh, don't know no before that was it I feel I like it would be before I was going to say it's quite sadistic if, if not <laughs> this is what you could be waiting for anyway if I take you back sign of the times back in 2012 Fifty Shades of Grey sparked a horny revolution within middle aged women <laughs> didn't adjust yeah <laughs> The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises square off at the box office. In another Goliath clash, Gangnam Style and Call Me Maybe take over the world. Bloody hell. The Twilight Saga draws to a close. Will and Kate announce a royal pregnancy. Felix Baumgartner completes the world's highest skydive. We obviously have the London Summer Olympics. And Whitney Houston dies to end that on a somber note. (laughs) (laughs) All killer, no filler when it comes to this podcast. So uh, we're straight into the critics' reviews here. And, I mean, I don't think this is a particularly big spoiler. I mean, we all enjoyed Project X, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yep. So these critics' reviews (laughs) might uh, catch you off guard a bit because it (laughs) seems not everyone enjoyed it quite like we did. Oh no. First one. The narrative, in inverted commas, scenes between Project X's three unknown leads feels like weird, boring interludes in the midst of a reasonably exciting 90 minute music video. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as good as it gets for the reviews. <laughs> oh god. Project X bears a cravenly piggish attitude towards rewarding socially unacceptable behaviour that feels unseemly rather than exciting. So what rather than so funny and obvious instead of new? (laughs) There's a midget in the oven is about as inspired as the dialogue and set pieces get in this queasy-making entertainment about a 17-year-old's birthday bachinalia. (laughs) The parent and homeowner in me were appalled by the debauchery and incredible property damage. The teenage boy in me couldn't help but smirk anyway. Next one, Snappy. Super bad for bullies. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This is the most nausea-inducing, offensive, sad, pedestrian, sophomore waste of time I've ever witnessed. On occasion, I write that if I could have walked out of a movie, I would have. This time, I did. <laughs> My word. <laughs> That's brutal. Project... Project X is the male gaze substantiated and concentrated into 90 sweaty minutes. <laughs> yeah. And finally, there'll be many middle-aged, middle-class haters declaring it morally bankrupt, but most will be able to file it under guilty pleasures alongside jackass bachelor party and forcing your pet to dance on its hind legs. <laughs> now that's a good review. That's <laughs> <laughs> Nothing guilty about it in my book. Actually, enough. we we do have some more, so uh, don't uh, jump the gun too soon. An enjoyable, if very sloppy, jaunt into total anarchy. Project X isn't a film about morals, but what happens when all rules are thrown out the window? True. The script plays like what you'd get if you put Animal House, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, House Party, Risky Business, and Superbad in a blender. <laughs> and finally it's sick it's vile it's deeply unpleasant <laughs> <laughs> so this is the kind of film we all enjoy don't know what that has to say about us <laughs> what sort of woman right it's sick it's vile <laughs> oh, come on oh, can't calm down a bit really it's not yeah it's, it's not that bad there's a lot worse out there I mean we're going to get into Borat which I would think yeah, if one is going to be sick, vile, and deeply unpleasant. If one's offending you, it's not going to be Project X. And the for Borat are quite the opposite. So, <laughs> well, you, you, s- you snuck in to watch this sick, vile, and unpleasant film. I did. It <laughs> came out two weeks before I turned eighteen, and I've only just made peace with your decision to uh, go in without me. Which I have messaged you recently, saying, in hindsight, if the roles were reversed, I would have gone in also. You did that even worse than I did. No, no, because I don't agree because we're trying to be undercover here, like two lone rangers, which are already suspicious in a cinema. And on top of that, you decide to walk up behind me, so we're both handing over tickets like we're together, but for different films. <laughs> and he didn't see why that would be an issue. <laughs> I, just want to make, I just want to make you sweat. You did, because the security guard had his eyes on me. I had to go be like Michael Schofield breaking in <laughs> to wait for a guard change. I looked like I was weirdly just standing outside the toilets on my phone for about 15 minutes. <laughs> on to the trivia then. So as as last week, we'll do the trivia, then we'll kind of discuss the film. I've got some questions to ask about uh, kind of our reactions to the film and what the characters do and so on. So the trivia, this was the most pirated movie in 2012 with approximately 8,720,000 downloads. I can believe that. <laughs> so that old advert about you wouldn't steal a car, if all those things were equivalent, there's a lot of people that would be stealing cars, handbags, <laughs> and all sorts. Bit of a side note, but did you see that doing the rounds saying uh, you wouldn't drive to Durham? Yeah. pieces <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> There was one on the IT crowd where they went proper like in on that <laughs> about pissing in a policeman's hat and then putting it back on his head. <laughs> this was filmed on a set as opposed to a real neighbourhood in order to minimise disruption to the locals. This uh, 
proved to be a wise move because the set was trashed, they said, during production. But still, nearby locals did complain to the Burbank police about the noise. As you can see in the film, some of the footage was shot by cast with um, cell phones, flip phones, iPhones, Blackberries, all of that kind of thing. So that's why you get different levels of quality with the found footage style thing. Over 10 hours of footage was recorded because some of the cars were so bored on set that they just were continuously recording. That's class. (laughs) (laughs) This was loosely based on the house party of Corey Corey Worthington in Australia. Um, He posted his address on MySpace back then, attracted over 500 people, 20,000 in property damage, and his party attracted journalists who found out about the party during the night. The journalists turned up and were then assaulted by a group of teenagers during the party, <laughs> hence why they got even more of a harsh writer. <laughs> says all the we parties... were... Go on. As I say, when I was watching it, that uh, the bit at the end with Costa on the news is yeah. like, that's very similar to yeah. the Australian guy's news interview. Joining us now live is one Pasadena teen who's recently drawn a lot of notice for throwing what people are calling possibly the most epic high school party of all time. Costa, before we begin, uh, is there anything that you would like to say to the viewers? In fact, I would. You said it was perhaps the most epic party of all time. It was the most epic party of all time. Yeah, it's it's near spot on apart from uh, his catchphrase, which I'm sure we'll get into with the quotes. But no, he he was said... uh, because he just fronted out, didn't he, saying that people should let him plan their next parties. And maybe this is the way the American dream goes, because in a two-week crash course, he was given uh, DJ lessons, and then he then went on a US tour where promoters said, this guy knows how to throw the perfect party. Come out and see this. <laughs> so when he was asked, uh, he was asked, I think, years later, whether he would now apologise, and he was... I made more money than I ever made in my life during that. Why would I (laughs) apologise? And they asked him if he felt like he'd learnt a lesson, and he said, did you not hear what I just said? (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame he comes across as someone who is a bit of a dick. I quite like it's quite funny. (laughs) But as a general persona, I can imagine you are a dick. (laughs) Well, those sunglasses that he wears in the actual interview were almost like a guaranteed tag of knowing that person was going to be an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Um, to create a believable bond between them, the lead actors Thomas Mann, Oliver Cooper and Jonathan Daniel Brown were sent to Disneyland and for a weekend away in Big Bear City in California, so they were cohesive on the set <laughs> Got um, a bonding although, trip yeah, although the party seems to have more than a thousand people attending, only 200 extras were used during filming jeez uh, when the camera catches the young lady urinating behind the car, she gestures to shoo it away. Um, she was actually doing that because of a lack of bathrooms on the set, and one of the other cast members filmed her. And apparently she was very irritated what? that this went out because uh, it was a violation of her privacy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I actually filmed the woman pissing. So there you go. <laughs> Um, it outgrossed its production budget by nine million on its first weekend of release. Quite right. Most of the cast are all first timers and were actually recruited um, by an op- open online casting call. 
So a lot of it wasn't even done in person. One of the only people that was cast with prior acting experience was Thomas Mann, the main character, and he had to audition seven times before getting the role. Jeez. Uh, the studio disliked the title of Project X as they felt that uh, it was more appropriate for a science fiction film and instead wanted to retitle it Happy Birthday, Thomas Cub. Um, Todd Phillips, who was a producer, I don't know if um, anyone knew that, but he uh, really stood against this and said it made it sound like a good-natured like buddy movie rather than no-hold-barred comedy that they wanted it to be. Yeah. It's spot on. He also said, which is something that we can come on to later, that um, they also saw Costa as a more focal character than Thomas. So to have the film named after him wouldn't work. And in the end, no one could think of a better title, so they just said, all right, call it Project X then. It's weird how often those sort of things happen. A really, yeah. really, shit, really <laughs> shit name is close to being made. And like American Pie. But... Yeah, like you said, just <laughs> all those different names they went through. Um, it's terrible. The, the script writer, um, Michael Bacall, actually wrote this in the evenings as during the day he was working on uh, 21 Jump Street and uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. He had other things on. Of course, man, he um, must have been doing well for himself in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Dax Flame, who is uh, the cameraman in this, um, he was once the 16th most subscribed YouTuber of all time. It says before he started his movie, so I honestly don't know what happened after this. But um, his YouTube career fell through, and as of March 2020, he's working in Los Angeles making ends meet in a sushi restaurant. Jeez. So, fall from grace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A rare film in which most of the main actors use their actual first names in it. It was filmed at the same high school as uh, the Netflix series American Vandal. So if you've seen that, you can put those two together. Great season for those that haven't seen it. And uh, filming was done chronologically. So um, many of the cast members have said when they've done like commentaries in this or just been interviewed about it, that the exhausting, the the kind of drugged up look of the characters was down to them shooting all of those extreme and intense parts of the film, one after the other. (laughs) So that's why they look so out of it. (laughs) So there's your trivia. Um, I've got kind of where they went from there, but first of all, did, did anyone agree with those critics' review, <laughs> reviews or or did you think they were fair or not? What were they going into it expecting is what I'm asking. No, I don't think that critics should review comedies, or if they do, then it should be the target audience. Yeah, I was going to say, having a 40-year-old bloke reviewing this, unless there aren't going to be some 40-year-old blokes who enjoyed this, like they said about a, the teenager in me, smirking yeah. for out but for the, mo- for the most part it's, it's not for you is it like no. let's be honest if I, if I can tell you because I've been bursting to tell you this bit of trivia <laughs> um, so I'm going to skip straight to it um, I, I, I told I did tell you this one before Keenan but you did say you forgot so um, JB who uh, the, the bigger <laughs> chubby cuddly bloke <laughs> from, Sorry. from the film uh, his first role that he played <laughs> do any of you know this before I say it so I don't want no. the full shock factor here um, he was on the bang bus <laughs> what <laughs> he, he he had a threesome on the bang bus that was his first role uh, it was what? called um, it was called um, fucking team 5 nerd watch 
As soon as you said his name, I remember what it was. I believe. Does that go on the CV? <laughs> well, I believe one of them was uh, Kelsey Monroe, if anyone wants to Google that name. So he's done well for himself. <laughs> so when he, when people said in the peak of your career, Project X, he he probably, wow. No, no, no. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do he's have a, prior acting experience. Thank you. <laughs> his only other significant role is in uh, Kid Cannabis. So he's picked his role well. He's got quite a CV there. <laughs> there's there's one actor that CV here actually outranks the rest of them, and you won't guess whose it is till I get there. But um, Thomas Mann, he he didn't have any significant acting experience before this, but after he went on to do um, that Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters film, um, Meet Earl and the Dying Girl, Stanford Prison Experiment, Kong Skull Island, and he actually did Drunk History, and he played Baby Hitler. <laughs> so he wasn't worried about being typecast <laughs> Oliver Cooper or Costa he was on Hangover Part 3 as a pharmacy assistant uh, 11 episodes of Californication Office Christmas Party and Mindhunter Costa's in Office Christmas Part yeah he's um, one of the two guys in the office that laugh at the Asian bloke for saying he has a girlfriend <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kirby is in uh, Green Inferno, Death Wish, and she was in the short-lived US Inbetweeners, where she played Charlotte Hinchcliffe. She does have that sort of vibe. They got that thing right. <laughs> I thought so she'd have been more of a. You... I thought she'd have been more of a Carly. Yeah, as, like, so as I was saying the words, I thought, "Hang on," he, he said Charlotte, didn't he? Not Carly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have Alexis Knapp who's uh, done Pitch Perfect 1, 2 and 3 and that's about it and the star of the show here uh, Martin Kleber, the midget if I give you his CV here Malcolm in the Middle 2001's Planet of the Apes Men in Black 2, Austin Powers Pirates of the Caribbean all uh, three of them sorry CSI, Hancock, Scrubs Boardwalk Empire as a boxing midget and He's in Space Jam 2. Jeez. So this guy has a CV. I can't believe you haven't mentioned the friend of the pod. Miles yep. Teller. Yeah. Well, I figured that he's big enough that he doesn't really fit the where did they go. Like, we didn't do <laughs> Seth Green. Oh, okay. I was just on the point of when you were just talking about that one CV. No. We'll get on to the man, Miles Teller. Don't you worry about that. So I've got some, I've got some questions for you here. First of all, the biggest nitpick of the film. Why did Thomas leave Alexis? Yes, <laughs> yes, I said this when watching it. Yeah, the damage is done, isn't it? Yeah, because my next question was, would you do the same? But I can kind of take here that I don't really need to ask. You, you but don't does do he? That. I think the point that TK raises: Does he get her back if he doesn't do that first run out? Yes, still. If he just stays there, does he still get her back? Yeah. That's the question. It's, it's a lot harder to get her back, though, isn't it? I, I don't know. It's, I feel like that was just enough that she thought, okay, there's something here. Whereas if he obviously actually, carries on. I actually think she needs him more than he needs her. That is the that is the thing that's basically saving him, is that she does seem, for whatever reason, to be overly into him. And he, we've seen him with other mates, regardless of what you think of him. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we do not know if she's got her own friendship. Even at the party, she just stood around waiting for him to pop up each time. Yeah, it's not very realistic in that regard, is it? You'd have had a bloke all over it. Yeah, you would think so. Like I said, I, I think I remembered her own fairly, because I think I compared her to that Alexis, and I thought she was nothing special. That Kirby is pretty class as well. Yeah, she's, bloke, she's, no, she's no Alexis. I'd say weird saying this about these girls that are supposed to be a certain age. They're supposed to be 18. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just a bit odd, isn't it? But, we're, I mean, we're, same we're, we're all, old, we're all forgetting how old you are now, now Byron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alexis Knapp was like 24 at the time of filming it. Yeah, I, I know. I know, I know but it's, it's just they're playing. She already had two yeah, kids by then. The idea... But you can excuse it because we were at age at that point as well, so that makes it all fine. Try and make this creepy. You're all thinking the same thing. And <laughs> a counter honest, question. Your defensiveness over it made it more creepy, I think. Why does Alexis even go for Thomas? Alcohol. Yeah, that's never no, explained. That's really? a great, that's a great, it's essentially mate. because it's his house, but I can't, was she respecting some, someone there that's just letting his house just be ran all over? This is like, the best is, thing in the world. Is that the thing? Is that whoever hosts gets to bang the fittest girl? I just, I've never known that was a thing. My house would have been a lot busier on Saturday night, so I can promise you. <laughs> just for implies, man, look, you know the rules. <laughs> well, she even goes to him after Costa sends the text calling her mommy. <laughs> one of the one, one of the great one of the greatest texts sent in the film ever. <laughs> oh, Sensational. <laughs> I can't think of any comparisons, but I feel <laughs> there's got to be some better. Really? It's what, then <laughs> I want that ass too, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think the, I think the thing that does add to it, though, is that there doesn't seem to be any questioning of the fact that both of these girls are interested in songs. I mean, there should be some serious questions asked of this, but everyone, no one's batting an eye with it. Uh, I've, got, I've got to say as well here, and you can say what you want and say that this is just me. If your mate is the host of the party and you think that Alexis had a chance, you're going to be showing far more jealousy rather than spurring them on like he is. He's a good friend for that. You would. I think that just, I think that is an insight into what you're like. Well, yeah. Hey, if, if, what if I think, well, you get an Alexis. No, I'm not going to be that happy for you. Well, we, we've actually seen that happen in real life, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> no. We we similar fingers came out. We a notorious character. <laughs> you you got to think about it. If you, if you think to yourself, look, it's not going to happen for me, you may as well just cheer them on. Yeah, but you got to be thinking in their shoes. If it's happening to Thomas, then I've got a fair crack at this as well. I don't know. For example, I don't think JB's got a position to be saying, look, <laughs> if Thomas is getting it, it's nice to be getting it. He's got to know. He's got his eyes oh, set elsewhere, I remember. He's got dibs. <laughs> he's got his Playboy model he's after. <laughs> one, of, one of my questions that I had, and it's to do with the basic premise of the film here, is if you can put yourselves and say it's that someone's parents are out of town, or you can put it to just be in a free house. So you can either be 18 in this scenario, or you can be now. You hear that there's a free house in call it say a nice house in Montpellier in Cheltenham and <laughs> there's an open invite everyone's going to be going to this party 
do you chance it and turn up, or do you not just assume either one, it's not happening, or two, it's going to be garbage? You're going to be dead. <laughs> but then, with do you that think now, that many you, people you, would take the chance? You'd hear about it, though, wouldn't you? So then you'd go, even if you were. I appreciate if everyone has this view, then no one goes. But to a certain extent, to some people, you'd you'd hear about it. Like you, you really need to come. You should see what this is like, and then more people would go. I suppose the radio well. blast helps. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you got to yeah. think as well. Even before the radio blast or anything, um, in that school, he goes wide with it, doesn't he? So if there's five hundred yeah. kids in that school, there's going to be a decent uptake there, and then you you pass it around because he says just bring and bring whoever that gets passed around. To, to whatever it might be so you, once you're there yeah, you probably do take a punt you got to think far as we went to the school how many people actually even knew the person who's host half the time you had people there yeah. and you're thinking you're vaguely friends of friends here <laughs> if you were hosting would you have been telling people to wear something tight <laughs> <laughs> that's so good at 17 absolutely not because the words wouldn't have come out of my mouth I would have took over my tongue <laughs> They've been like your first intro to this pod, struggling for sentences. <laughs> what do you mean? He's out. Of the... I don't know what you mean. One take, <laughs> like gets. That is where you can kind of see that that critic who was saying it was basically seeing into like a, a pervy young man's mind. This film, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Hold your hands up. Come on, love. It's funny. If if we go through the categories, then like we did last week. Um, I think we all did like that structure apart from Sean so uh, he's outnumbered <laughs> <laughs> in terms of rewatchability and that we'll get to later but uh, best quotes favourite part of the show usually where we're just reeling off quotes from each film Project X they're more than I remembered there being yeah agreed agreed when I thought Project X against Borat quotes I thought he's going to get smoked out of the water here and I was jotting down plenty throughout. Yeah, a lot more standalone sort of quotes I was thinking. I was thinking there's a lot more physical comedy in this, but well, a bit no, of the, hilarious. A bit of trivia that I clearly didn't note down was that uh, the director of the film, his previous job was actually um, working on commercials. And that was okay. their job. They were doing that for advertising companies, which makes perfect sense because... I know the trailer is there to sell a film, but with some film, the, the trailer really does go above and beyond. And the trailer for this did carry, like, you, whether you heard a review saying it was awful or not, it felt like one of those things that you just had to see, even just to be in the conversation about it. Yeah, yeah, true. You can tell, if that's the case, it sort of shines through with the trailer, because, like, with, a, with a, an advert, you're trying to sell something, you've always got a demographic or a target audience, aren't you? That yeah. you're, you're trying to appeal to. This trailer just appeals, it, it's just flat out for its target audience. There's no, like, trying to get different bits in to give it a broader appeal. They know their market and they just they just go hell for leather at it. Which is... Well, it, it, it works so well, doesn't it? Because every time before you go to a house party... There's the thought in your mind, and you've heard these stories before, where you, or you've seen on the news, even if it's the original story for this, or house parties getting out of hand, and you have that thought in the back of your head. 99 times out of 100, that's never going to happen. And even if just a one time it exceeds the levels of what you expect, you're happy and you've got some stories to tell. Yeah, This exactly. is like 
amped up by a thousand. Well, I think they marketed <laughs> it as like the party to end all parties and all of this kind of thing. Yeah. I know nightclub promoters after did that awful thing where they kept calling everything a Project X party, which just meant <laughs> they played a bit of different music to normal and they maybe had a bit of food on show. And red cups. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The exact same thing they use when they call it just a college party afterwards <laughs> or a frat party. Super Bowl party. They've just got some red cups there. <laughs> Because it, it, like it, it was a weird cinema experience because you were watching along with it being like a film, but you almost did feel kind of like, more, I don't know the right word, more like involved in it. It felt like, I don't know the right, right way to say it. it, it felt something a bit different to the normal kind of experience you get. And I think that is because of a lot of the music in there. So it did feel like it was trying to create almost a party atmosphere. I was, was going to say, it's kind of like on. a party whilst you're, whilst you're watching. Yeah. I think a lot of it, or some of it comes from the fact that they use all the different angles as well, like with the, the, the stuff that's being recorded. It's just, a, it's a little bit different, or probably not by 2012, but it's different to the normal teen comedy where everything's just shot. You've got someone shooting it on a camcorder on a, on a or a phone, whatever it might be. It just changes the angle and changes the perspective as well, doesn't it? It strangely yes. feels like you're going to the party with them rather yeah. than watching them at the party, isn't it? Yeah. I think as well is when you, when you rewatch it, it's, I mean, very different context, but can you remember when that uh, Childish Gambino video came out last year, I think it was, maybe even the year before, where the whole point of it was everything in the front is just trying to distract you from what's going on in the background and there's just so much that you don't see on the first, second, third, whatever watch. Yeah. You rewatch this and there's just gold the whole way through it that you spot in the background. <laughs> Whether, and it's all of this, the stereotypes that you would expect if you were putting like a, like a house party together yourself. If you were dreaming and putting it all together, then all these little like features would be there. You've even got, um, like the asshole that comes in late on that he tries kicking out and just realizes he, he's not going to manage it, but just everything there. It doesn't try to create the thing that they're, I was going to say it doesn't try to create they're the biggest losers in the world, but I guess that is kind of the point of the film. Yeah, but then it's not, it's not overly, is it? For example, if they, like, Thomas would have no chance of those girls if they were, no. like, complete, like, Costa's kind of alluded to that he does have some success, whereas obviously the whole thing with that character is normally it's supposed to be that he's full of shit. Yeah, I didn't know how you take that, whether, it, he is actually where he does actually have any success or not. Well, isn't the film end with him saying like he's got three big yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That kind of spun me. I could have done without that being there. I think is, well, I they had to give them all. From... They had to give yeah. them all a bad ending, didn't they? And there was nothing really for him. Well, it kind of set the tone, doesn't it? Where Costa says in like the first ten minutes, even wheelchair Robert got a hand job. That is. <laughs> One of my favourite quotes. I have that down as a quote. Yeah, that's my favourite quote. <laughs> that party was so sick. Everybody got laid. Even wheelchair Robert got a hand. <laughs> Sensational. I wish they'd shown wheelchair Robert. Yeah. That, was, that was the only thing missing. And then JB has a rock on as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was far worse than I remembered it being. <laughs> if we if we go on to like the the best quote then because as I said before and then we kind of got sidetracked but I mean the one that was on the trailer which is what got me started was uh, 
Thomas where he says, JB, what are you looking for? And he's looking to see if your dad has condom <laughs> working on something downstairs. And Costa says, the only thing you're working on is diabetes. You <laughs> JB, what are you looking for? Looking to see if your dad has condoms. I'm working on something downstairs. The only thing you're working on is diabetes, you fat fuck. Oh, dude. Yeah, <laughs> on, on the trailer it cut before he says that was you fat and then the trailer kind of spliced yeah that is sensational Costa in there is obviously being that guy but yeah. I was already in pieces at JV in the corner so I'm working <laughs> on something downstairs I was already convinced <laughs> I was almost worried re-watching it, thinking, is it going to have aged as well? I mean, it was just gold. But I had a smile up on my on my face the whole way watching. Yeah, I think it, it, aged, it aged a lot better for me. Because like, I don't think I've watched it since... I think I watched it once after we watched it in the cinema, but it would have been like around 2012. So then look, before watching it back, I thought, is this actually as good as I remember, or was it just because I was 18 and yeah, you wanted yeah. to go out afterwards? But... I did actually think it was a really funny film. But one I've got for a good quote, but also one that's maybe not aged well, is when, when they're in the shop and Miles tell us, like, he just says, like, high school pussy for days. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, at best, he's thinking about 18-year-olds, but at worst, he's, like, 17 to 15. Listen, Miles, uh, we're having a little soiree at my place tonight. Give me if you want to swing by. Tell him, my boy here is underselling this like a motherfucker. This shit's going to be legit. You should definitely swing by. Yeah, I can't. I, I actually got other plans tonight, so I might not make it. Dude, think right. about it. It's on Dickens Street. We'd love to have you. Uh, Dickens Street? Yeah. That's your party? You guys are throwing that? I'm. That's yeah. where I'm going. I'm yeah, dude, fucking crazy, bro. It's my party. I mean, I'm Thomas Cub. It's my birthday today. Uh, yeah, no, I heard it's going to be like unlimited high school pussy. And shit. Dude, high school pussy for days. What? Mind your own business, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at first he says there's going to be unlimited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's made shopkeeper, that and they say, mind your business, lady. He's in college <laughs> at the time as well, isn't he? So he's obviously yeah. older as well. So he's going out of his way to get fucked in his yeah. <laughs> It's real weird when you look at it. Well, it's even more confusing that he has a busload of people he can bring, but that's not enough. <laughs> he needs to go out of his way for the high schoolers. <laughs> He's dragging these people down to this party. Well, they get back then, and that's when you see uh, the security guards who so were good. gold the whole way through. Yeah. <laughs> you see Thomas look up and he's like, Are you serious? Are those nunchucks? <laughs> <laughs> he says, You guys look like ninjas. He's like, Ninjas are pussies. <laughs> I like it when that bit where he goes into the, the neighbor's the house. house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's like uh, uh, there's a large woman assuming assuming this is his wife <laughs> Costa is the leading force for most of the laughs isn't he and then the rest kind of chip in with their own bit of gold every now and then yeah he's the sort of stiff he's a punchline guy sort of character. yeah he's the punchline guy everyone but everyone's kind of working off that, aren't they? One of the ones that always gets me is uh, Thomas saying, uh, I'm between beverages. <laughs> what does that even mean? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that also reminds me of something that you would say. Yeah. Or I think you'll bring in. 
No, you've already watched it. <laughs> I'm between beverages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I always liked um, when they're talking about the the sign for like naked guys only. It's like, yeah, the next time a bloke comes to clean your swimming pool, <laughs> he'll be asking whether they, whether you want some water with your semen. That is a great one. <laughs> you I have the. Uh... Oh, sorry. I was going to say there's also the bit where 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 they're let down on the grass like towards the end and they're all spaced out and they have their little moment of like lo- loving each other and he just says yeah I'm sorry for all the times I called you a fuck fuck <laughs> a pudgy a pudgy bitch fudgy the whale <laughs> uh, and then probably the best insult of them always when he's just like yeah I'm sorry for that time at your brother's bar mitzvah bar mitzvah I told everyone you look like Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Well, it's because JB, he's like, because you don't, and JB's like, I don't, like, whingy. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, he says before, JB, I'm sorry for buying you a bra on your birthday, that wasn't cool. <laughs> I've forgotten about that, though. <laughs> I've always found funny the, the old guy that turns up, and he's like, I'm at a party. He's, when, when we come on to best side characters, he's right up because <laughs> him just appearing in the film is so good. And in the, the credits when he's doing the music yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's just staring at the floor like disgusting. <laughs> so I saw a puke fell over my porch. <laughs> it kind of sums up the film with uh, Costa because after the midget drives the car into the pool, who's definitely another contender for the side character. He's like, I don't yeah. know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix anything. Yeah. I'm sorry, Thomas. I just wanted to get some pussy. <laughs> that perfectly sums up his character, doesn't it? He's spent a whole film telling him, I'll fix it, I'll fix it. And then, no, I don't know how to fix any of it. Well, him saying it is like, uh, like it's a reasonable excuse as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is something that someone said to like Todd Phillips, like, and he's just, it's just kind of stayed with him because you look in, there's the thing he says the whole way through. I know you see it in other comedies where he's like, look, i got a guy. i got a guy who can fix this. It's the hangover because thing. he says, again, yeah, hangover before that, that's when Bradley Cooper says, oh, I've got I've got this guy. He can, he can fix this. No problem. There were like, definitely parallels between Bradley Cooper and, and Costa. But they're just, they're just that guy, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? Like, it's whoever, whatever you're doing, like, we'll, we'll just take it up a little notch. That's, that's, that, they're just that guy out of your group of mates that's the best compliment Costa is going to get <laughs> yeah. being compared yeah. to Bradley Cooper no <laughs> being compared to Phil obviously not like visually yeah um, <laughs> JB saying he's getting in shape for the party he's like it's mostly war weight wrestlers do it all the time <laughs> that's a great <laughs> alongside oh. the image of him just running on the treadmill <laughs> <laughs> It's just oh, after yeah. that when Costa says, sorry, I keep, <laughs> Costa says, uh, I'm at the centre of a very prestigious social circle. When I put the word out, it goes out. <laughs> I just like the way JB gets dressed up for the party. Like, <laughs> it's just meant like a lot of high school party and he just, he just rocks up looking like a 50 year old bloke. When he's walking through the first time, like rocking it, you can tell he's feeling himself. Yeah. The thing like is, Costa sleeps what he's wearing, and he's got like a checkered like uh, oh, God, vest jumper on. You're like, what's going on? I've actually always thought I could pull off the sweater vest look. Bold from you. If yeah. I didn't sweat so much. <laughs> really bold from you. I'm actually very bold at the moment. So <laughs> I know. Well. I mean, give it a go. Get, get a pic on the, the pod's Twitter of you in a sweater vest. <laughs> that could be the artwork. Could be. 
Well, Salah. His own dad calling him a loser is quite is always quite funny. <laughs> he's a, I didn't think he had it in you, but even at the start of the film, he's like, come on, this is Thomas we're talking about. Yeah. He's not the most popular. He's a sweet kid, but he's a loser. <laughs> I, I do like that little, inter- little exchange at the end where he's like, yeah, you should have seen it. It was amazing. He's like, yeah, you're still fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, if that was your kid, like it's for four blokes here now. If that was your kid and he has that part, is there any part of you that's proud of him? I actually had this as a question. I don't think I could get over the anger. Sorry, no, I didn't realise you had it as a question. Um, <laughs> I was just right. thinking about it as we were talking about. I was Great just wondering, mind. is there not not some part of you that thinks, yeah, all right. as long as you, if as long as financially you can swallow it, because he says I might have, might have bankrupted my parents, then yeah, oh, probably, I'm probably yeah, never getting over the anger. If financially you can get by, then definitely you're, you're proud of him, even if he has ruined your house. But yeah, if he, like you, you, if said, you if can afford to renovate it, <laughs> no, if you can afford to get it all fixed, and it's not not gonna like it, it, it's not gonna stop you retiring at sixty. Especially if I thought he was a bit of a loser, I'll, there'd be a real great bit of pride there. So yeah, yeah. Would well, you not just think he's been taken advantage of though? I mean, that is what's happened, isn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but he's no way he, he's there. He's in and about, isn't he? For the, for the old film, he, he protests for a little bit. Oh no, this is getting too out of hand. But yeah, he's always always comes comes back to it. I'm yeah, trying to take his a dad. Dip. His dad might not be proud. His dad might just think he's even worse now. Like he's this much of a loser. He's been taken advantage of. He's got nothing about him. He couldn't even say no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to take a dip when I found out he ran out on that Alexis. Yeah, uh, but he's played the long game. He ends up trying to do bits with his mate, doesn't he? So. <laughs> You have that in American Pie, don't you? Jim's dad. Yeah. He asked him in the second one about whether he'd have passed up on Nadia. And he says, like, oh, I'm married. And he's like, well, if you weren't, he's like, no, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so that would probably be the equivalent. Um, do you think that this could be got away with today? Do you think there'd be any issues getting this out today? Because for a lot of our favourite ones we've had so far, we've said that you wouldn't be able to do this. And I'm sure we'll ask the same question to Borat. I think you could do this one now. Yeah, I think I think it works. You probably cut out shoving the midget in the oven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and I mean, he calls the dog. He calls the dog a faggot, which you definitely can't do today. <laughs> um, what, by the end of the film, you think the the midget deserved it. Uh, he is an ass. He's a bit of a dick, but I mean, he did get shoved in an oven. I was going to say anyway. Well, it all started bit, because he chucked a drink at the bloke. That's why you get shoved in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the ones I missed was um, when Thomas, he's like, this is way more than 50 people. And Cosby, of course it is, man. It's plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think one of my favourite moments of the of the film, not my favourite scene, but is when they're on the rooftop and he's looking out across the party and he, Thomas says, he's like, Look at what we did, and it's like a like a leader of like an army looking out across the battlefield at that point, where you can just see all the small like people below, and he's just a, stood above looking over everyone, yeah, almost patting himself in the chest. Out, look at what we did. This is and that's really when weird. it really gets to his head. It's a really weird comparison, but <clears throat> in the Lion King, where Mufasa and Simba are looking over, <laughs> thing, that, that's what popped into my head the other day as I was watching it. Was it's just him. <laughs> genuinely surveying it like look all, the, all of this is mine all of this is ours <laughs> it's just that moment of pride in it. if you're talking moments maybe maybe my favourite one you can have the security kids in general 
But them coming in a teaser and that guy and then him punching yeah. the kid 100%. is just such gold. Yeah, <laughs> I had that down as one of my quotes with Costian. Fuck yeah, my boy Rob's in a rage. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> sorry, I'm not into rage, man. I'm sorry, the baby can't sleep, okay. and Melinda's got to be up early for work. Fuck tomorrow. yeah, my boy Rob is your rage. Oh, Good okay. to see you, brother. Yeah, actually, you know what? But I'm not raging. I'm actually just telling Thomas that it's time to shut it down. <laughs> I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at myself for leaving that out because I, I agree <laughs> with you both. I think that that's that's probably it for me. It's amazing. It's such well, a that's what was next was best moment scene. So would that be your your pick, TK, for the best moment? I think that might be. It's quite early on, obviously, as well, isn't it? And it it really does set the stall out in terms of the last you're going to be getting. It's the shock value as well. Even obviously, I've not seen it in a little while, but it just hits you both times with the taser and with the punch. Yeah, the angle's perfect because you yeah. don't really see the coming. Yeah, especially the taser. <laughs> I think I for think... me the sorry, there's a little. Okay, I will say there's a little delay on Skype, so I'm not meaning to keep shutting everyone down. <laughs> it's a bad coincidence. <laughs> I was going to say my favourite scene. I think if, if if you take that for the category, has to be when they've just got rid of the cops and they come back. That is great. And he says it? to the break of dawn, yo, and then pursuit of happiness, happiness kicks in. in. You have the slow-mos, you have the look around all of the party, everyone's having the time of their lives. He has the baseball to the gnome for all the ecstasy going flying. We were saying whilst watching just, it. That, that defines the film, that one scene, I think. Yeah, we were saying whilst watching it, like, the idea that all these people would suddenly, could suddenly just be kept quiet and out the back is just yeah. <laughs> sensational. It's also weird that there's not a bigger fight for the ecstasy that hits the floor. <laughs> yeah. It's a mystery that there isn't a fight. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, yeah. the, midget, the midget tries to get involved in one of them, so he gets tossed in the easy bake. Um, so he's, he's, he's pretty much out of it. Uh, I was going to say the another suggestion would be that, for me, was the not the actual end scene, but the ending of the party kind of scene, uh, yeah. where like the drug dealer has a flamethrower, and then all the police turn up, <laughs> and then the news reports start coming in. And then they just start to realise like how ridiculous it is. Uh, so yeah. that, that whole bit. At the end of the party was when when they're at the athletics track, and the security says, "You haven't paid us," and he's like, "What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were the worst security <laughs> ever." <laughs> he's pretty so really lightly though. They were well. expecting. <laughs> He's pretty so lightly like the house got ruined. It's like, it sound like they made a bit of a mess. Like, no, no, no. People's lives have been ruined. <laughs> Even before, in the film sense, the place has been ruined. The chandelier has been ripped down. You've got a smashed window. <laughs> the skateboarder going through the window as well. It's just a, it's just a great shot. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a nice like it's not a nice moment for for, for Thomas, <laughs> but it, watching it go watching it go through the window and stuff, and that little bit where they just do the do the front room over. It's quite a, is a, is a good scene to watch. Well, quite early on, people are ziplining into the pool, and he doesn't bat an eyelid. The yeah, people no one... on his roof zipline. <laughs> yeah, but no yeah. one's getting hurt now, are they? <laughs> no, but I mean, in terms of if, if they he's land, got if any they worry about there, his house being trashed, yeah, but if they land wrong, there, people climb onto your roof. <laughs> yeah, but they're outside, and if they land wrong, they're the only ones getting hurt. If I land wrong trying to do a kickflip in your front room, then obviously your windows going, <laughs> your TV's going. <laughs> His naivety of thinking like no one was going to go inside is just yeah incredible. Well, I, I like the 
I quite like the opening scene as well. I think it's a really good uh, like opener. It hooks you in straight away. Well, that like, hey, yeah, I want some pussy song plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he starts we singing, and then the obviously the moan comes down. Yeah, she says, "What's getting wet?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that first shot of Dax in the mirror, where he films himself <laughs> in the tall mirror. You just <laughs> yeah. see what a creepy bloke he is. <laughs> The biggest high school shooter vibes ever. We <laughs> said suddenly he was like, I live alone, actually. Like, of course you do. Yeah. It's like his parents still haven't been found. It comes up at the end of credits. And... Yeah. What What would your favourite scene be, Keenan? Would it be the taser or is there anything, anything else? No, for me, it's the, the taser. It's always been, it's probably always been the highlight of the film. I do quite like the first scene where Beamer Benzel Bentley kicks in when yeah. the minibus pulls up and that's yeah. when you kind of like you you've buckled up. It's like that point where you realise that you're starting to feel the drinks that you've had and you're like we're in for a treat here. <laughs> I think the uh, the dog getting taken away by the balloons is <laughs> I've always felt conflicted about that and I don't even like dogs. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is the classic thing that you you would see people get a certain amount of drinking them and suddenly start thinking they can do things to their pets that they really can't. I'd feel bad, but I wouldn't feel like uh, enough of a big man there to step in and pull the dog down. No, no, you'd be laughing, wouldn't you? You'd have to. You'd have to sit. Like I was on the other side. I would never have to get there in time. <laughs> have any of you ever seen the fascination in hosting? House party. Like, I don't see what any positive you can have other than maybe after when the story gets told, it was oh, it was at so and so's house. There is no pro to it other than that. Yeah, hope, just hoping for a bit of cred, isn't it? That's all. That's all these kids do it for. Well, I've never well, understood it. That's the thing at the where as the film ends. It's like Thomas's whole life is effectively ruined. <laughs> <laughs> for at least a foreseeable future and then and then because everyone's saying like that's such a cool party and because they're all cheering when they walk through the score it's like that's it like it was worth it because of that yeah in yeah, reality essentially... that that like good will or that kind of feeling would have only lasted like maybe a week or a couple of weeks <laughs> at most well do you not think in reality it definitely would have been here in England if that happened the person would just be laughed at for their house being trashed they wouldn't be saluted if you knew someone whose house got ruined, you wouldn't salute them on the Monday, come well in, man, well in. People yeah, would be laughing yeah. at them, saying how trashed their house got. I mean, like, I wasn't my house, so. <laughs> That's a shame, that, isn't it? We should be saluting these heroes. Well, there was one, there was one kid at our school who had a party that, that got trashed. Uh, obviously, it wasn't on the level that Project X was. But, yeah, equally, I don't think he got much kind of support when he was back in school or anything like that it was just more as if your house got robbed he got on the front yeah. of the paper when I did yeah the paper he was out. on the front of the paper yeah <laughs> stood in his doorway I think so they actually yeah, posed right. for a photo saying that people had rushed in I wonder <laughs> if the online article is still out there you might have to link it to the pod if it is <laughs> I still remember the quote from him where he, they asked him about his parents ticket he said uh, yeah I wasn't flavour of the month I was like there's no way that kid has said <laughs> I wasn't flavour of the month <laughs> If he's brushed it off so nonchalantly, that's when you start saluting <laughs> no, him. No, that is such a journalist word. There's no way the kid has said it. 
Well, in, in, in preparation for this podcast, I was asking other members of like the main podcast of, about times that they can remember or things where it's gone wrong. And being told about people walking into a party and just paint covering people painting windows before anything's even started. <laughs> he's turned up and that, we're, he's already at that point where some bloke has just found a tin of paint and started painting windows and walls. <laughs> so I don't see how it could ever go well. If that's how you start in the night. I can understand inviting a few people over if that's what you want to do and staying in. But actually throwing a party is... I couldn't think of anything worse there. <laughs> You'd be too stressed to enjoy it. Or you just have to let go like he does. There was someone has a known problem with ecstasy. The way those kids are knocking entities down, it's, it's amazing they haven't got, they haven't, like, someone has an OD. They're chugging them down like Skittles when they come out of that thing. Well, Thomas, where he's like, it's, it's not going to fuck me up, is it? He's like, here it is, that's, that's the point. Sister <laughs> <laughs> JB, you can have half. <laughs> <laughs> that is responsible, that's been a responsible friend, that is. <laughs> what other categories have we got? Is that, yeah, best side characters next, so. I would go for the security guards as a pair, personally, but I, I do acknowledge the uh, elderly gentleman at the party playing beer and the, pong. And the midget. Well, he's a bit of a scumbag, so I, I, <laughs> I don't really give him any props as a side character. If you if you did it on like a, a per, if you put it in the ratio of the screen time that they have had, then the neighbour does well for his little screen time. Yeah, he's yeah. quite good in, in all of it. Uh, obviously the, side, the security guards are in it a bit longer than him but I think you could give it to either of them well the point with the midget they say is like what do you say he's like I heard midget and oven <laughs> <laughs> the other the only other ones are the uh, the freshman kids and of course yeah. they're just constantly like what are you doing <laughs> get up and eventually they're just in the back and he just has to accept that they're in there I, I remember when the Midget scene came out because I'm pretty sure it was in the trailer, the midget in the oven, and him kind of walking out punching everyone. I remember the midget punching the woman was like Dean was being what took that to the next level, like that being hilarious. <laughs> as well as punching <laughs> all the men in the crotch, he's at the woman as well, and she's dropped. <laughs> there is something funny about a woman getting punched <laughs> in a film. <laughs> You've done ever so well there. <laughs> and it's different if a midget hits a woman. There's a, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a leveller. It's something if, more acceptable. If, if, if TK's cancelled after this, it's because I've done him dirty with the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something funny about punching a woman. In a few years' a few years time, I've made a big bone and dragged me down. Extort <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> Keenan, who would you say is the best side character? I quite like the show because uh, I, I, I think it's all quite similar. I have the security guards and, and Rob and Rob the neighbour. Um, if I was picking, I'll give it to, to Rob the neighbour. Just, just as like Sean said, he, he's in it for the least amount of time, but he's probably the most effective. He is a great show. Um, MVP. Who are you giving it to? If Thomas had secured the deal with Alexis, then <laughs> yeah. it would have been nailed down. That's Although the power that's play. Costner, I think, for me. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought with Sean's sentiments he said previously, I would have thought him walking away with Alexis would have made him more likely to get the MVP points in his book. <laughs> Why'd you say that? Because you said that that would be almost as thrilling as securing the 10 as being the one to leave them hanging. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is an incredible power play. Because she is, yeah. uh, she says, that she screeches out, I have to say, Thomas, what the fuck? Yeah, she that is true. So that, she wasn't just doing it as a favour, she was actually disappointed. <laughs> it definitely, because I'm not sure him and Kirby are going the distance, just, just my gut feeling. The, 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 day, <laughs> the day they break up, that's the first thing he's going to think about. It's going to be, I should have, I should have done it. As soon as their relationship hits the it's, rocks, he's going to be thinking, I could have gone for it. Or their could, argument, he's going to go, I turned down Alexis for you. Is it, you can't it's keep nice saying that, that you last that long. <laughs> it was first nice years ago. It's last that long. <laughs> if, if that part is the Saturday, he's walking into school on the Tuesday upset. She sees her on the Monday. If she's Kirby on the Monday, it's fine. Then he sees Alexa, Alexis on the Tuesday, and he's dead upset again. <laughs> doesn't doesn't yeah. wait till turbulent times. But, as much as we had the thing with Miles Teller saying like um, high school chicks, it does seem to be the thing for every seemingly good-looking girl, and whether it's English, whether it's American, it's she fucks college dudes, and that's like, <laughs> all right, she's off limits. <laughs> if she go with the college guys, that's that's the game changer. Which which was sort of like like you say, it was a done thing back then. But if you actually think about it now. A little bit creepy if you're the oh, if you're the blokes. It definitely wasn't. There is all, like, that is always a thing though. There's always blokes that. Yeah, it is. But like, could you imagine if like when you're six, ones like, oh no, she only fucks uni guys. It'd be like this is weird. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you're trying you're trying to do a bit, and she's just fucking some third year social studies student. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what can you do? <laughs> if we say it for the comparison, but we can talk about it at first. I mean, the soundtrack for this. I said last week that I thought American Pie was the second best in the bracket. I, I don't see there being anything that can top the soundtrack for this film. It is a sensational one, isn't it? I know The Hangover's got a good soundtrack as well. Yeah. But this is pretty special. And as we've kind of spoken about, it does add so much to the film, which is rare to be able to do. It kind of shapes it in a way, doesn't it? Well, it seems like every bit is kind of put in perfectly even the equivalent of when you have a night out of that whether you're taking yourself to the sofas for a sit down whether whether you're having a little nap yeah a house party <laughs> to sleep things off the moment where they kind of settle down he puts our kelly on ready to charge back up just the scene of him kind of nodding along to bump and grind is just perfect to just kick back in and then go straight back up beat ready for like the grand finale that's something they probably take out the film. Yeah, you probably can't again. do that again, can you? R-, R. Kelly doesn't make the cut. Well, no, I, I removed him from my Spotify. Yeah, me too. Mainly because I don't want one of them to come on and have to have the moral question to myself. Because once that start of Ignition remix drops, <laughs> correct, it's a strong man to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. But when people it... were questioning, it's like, why is his amount of streams gone up? It's like, well, he's back in the consciousness. If you stumbled in that wormhole, you're listening to some bangers and you've, you've, everything's <laughs> forgotten about. Yeah. 
if World's Greatest comes on, then I'm, I'm getting hyped. <laughs> so is Jamie O'Hara. <laughs> well, they essentially said on the documentary, didn't they, that like the consciousness was his songs were just too good. Like We don't want to think this about someone and have to stop listening to these songs. <laughs> I'm convinced that's the whole thing with Michael Jackson, where some just insisted yeah. he didn't do it. So, well, look, I'm not going to stop listening to his music, so I've got to double down. It's like if, if there was some rumour about Dr. Dre, it was like, come on, we got to get the chronic out first. <laughs> we all said about Kevin Spacey, like, can we not just get the final season of House of Cards first? <laughs> <laughs> you can have some consideration before you release this information. So, but even the rest of the soundtrack, when you go through it, there's like this, the songs that you recognise sing along to, and then a lot of songs that were just brought into the consciousness. And whether they were played in nightclubs or on just your own playlist, it was almost always the next conversation would be, oh, Project X. Yeah, Because the playlist was almost as big as the film. The crazy thing with it being, you look at it and you think it doesn't, like you can't really work out like why more films aren't able to do it in terms of, but there's no great science to what they've done. Really good tunes and just sort of get you hyped for the right moment. It seems strange that more films aren't able to sort of apply it, really. I don't think it works. I know this is quite an excuse to. If you give this star power, it wouldn't work, would it? I'm not sure it does. If you replace, like, the three main guys with... Even if, straight after Superbad, you then put McLovin, Seth, and uh, Michael Sarah in there and say, right, we're going to sell this film, but they're all going to be teenagers again, nerdy, and this is the time they're the part of their lives. The fact that you recognise them just wouldn't work. This is the first time you're seeing almost everyone in the film apart from Miles Teller. And even he hadn't hit the big time at this point. I think this was just before he did that um, drumming film. I've forgotten the name of it, but I think it was just before that came out. Did that Whitlash? Yeah, that's the one. I thought that was later. I thought that was later. I thought 21 and over was the next thing I saw him in. That's what I'm I'm saying. I don't think you've seen anything beforehand. He wasn't. I think the significant thing came after is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even that works well, doesn't it? Because the whole thing is that he's clearly supposed to be in the film, like, sort of well known. So he's obviously the guy that people look up to anyway. So he's a bit aside. He'd done Footloose before this, and that was pretty much it. Everything With else, the... he'd, he'd been in one episode of a TV series and um, three or four short films like four or five years earlier. Like I say, with the soundtrack with this one as well, it's so good because you associate the scenes with the songs, like specifically yeah. as well. As you kind of said earlier, you, you kind of mentioned where that's where Beam of Benz and Bentley comes on or that's where Pursuit of Happiness comes on and you can picture that scene when it comes on. Um well, this gave Pursuit of Happiness a second life because it was it did well enough the first time, but then the Steve Aoki remix that they used for this. Now, I remember, so my 18th was just after this, and I remember that playing on my first night out. So that was obviously like a significant tune that was going around nightclubs at the time. And I assume it would have been because of Project X, putting it in everyone's consciousness. I didn't think you went out. I didn't think you got out that night. <laughs> I did because you were there as well. So, yeah, I know, but I didn't. We had enough of your nonsense last week. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need it this week. 
the ending. So the ending, I think, is as good as they could have ended it. I think they nail it in terms of it's the 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 ending is sobering. You you feel like you're sort of coming down with them, and you think I feel a bit depressed for them here. I also like the little little bar they throw in at JB about having to ride the special bus as well. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like it's it's like one one last almost like a little sign off joke at his expense. Would Thomas legally be allowed to drive that van? (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) eighteen, aren't he? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's the, there's the doors van, hanging yeah. off and it's burnt. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry on the Monday. Who burnt the van is another question. <laughs> this party isn't good enough. Let's set the minivan on fire. <laughs> Was it not done in the fl- with the flamethrower? Well, I didn't, didn't get into his house, did it? We were like in the street. I don't know. Unless he was maybe assumption. parked in the street. <laughs> Chemistry, then. Do you, believable? Do you believe that those three could be friends? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the chemistry is good. Uh, the trip to Disneyland was obviously successful. <laughs> I'm Big Bear. They really got into it sparring with Triple G, and that, they bonded over that. <laughs> got battered. Went on a night out with Kovalev. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fucking night, Jesus. <laughs> in neck in vodka. If we get on to uh, Borat then, um, and then we'll kind of round things up at the end when we do, the, well, putting it all together for the who's going to win and go through to the next round. Borat synopsis. Kazakh TV talking head Borat is dispatched to the United States to report on the greatest country in the world. Uh, with a documentary crew in tow, Borat becomes more interested in locating and marrying Pamela Anderson. <laughs> You remember what you were doing in 2006? Other than World Cup year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Old, the best old World Cup of our lifetime. Yep. Do you reckon? Yeah. Cl- well, close of 18. I think 18's, 18's what, what, far above what it. what happened. There's an actual <laughs> tournament, I think, 2006 was better, but for England, obviously 2018 was better. They're replaying the Columbia game on ITV on Saturday night. Oh, sheesh. Um, 2006 pop culture then. Uh, George Clooney was named the people's sexiest man. Angelina <laughs> Jolie took the title of the sexiest woman. Big year. Vladimir Putin was the Times Man of the Year. Hannah Montana debuted on the Disney Channel, introducing Miley Cyrus to the world. 30 Rock, Dexter and Ugly Betty also debuted that year. Mariah Carey was top of the Billboard charts. Sheesh. Um, Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sounds and Beyonce's B-Day became two of the best-selling albums of the year. Facebook had expanded to US universities and then switched to open registration in September. So that's right at the start of it. Apparently one of the biggest things was uh, NSYNC's Lance Bass revealing that he's gay. So that reminds you of 2006. Vice President Dick Cheney accidentally shot and wounded a campaign contributor during a weekend quail hunt. Donald Trump announced he wouldn't fire Tara Connor or Rosie O'Donnell, who called him a snake oil salesman. And I think that is about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Steve Irwin died. So another somber note. Jeez, that was that year. 
Yeah. Reese Witherspoon calls it quits with her husband Ryan Philippe and gets with uh, Bradley Cooper. So not Jake Bradley Cooper, Jake Gyllenhaal. Sorry. Bradley so, Cooper. I was, I was about yeah, that's a good fucking mouth. Well, you heard Jake Gyllenhaal's still a weird couple. No, yeah, because then when you said that, I was also through by that. Yeah. Don't see them together. And Google purchased YouTube for $1.65 billion. Sheesh. So there we go. That's what was going early, early days for YouTube then, surely. Yeah. Early if on. that sounds a bit off, it's because I actually got all the news for 2007 and then realised just then. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Stat for 2007, which I don't want to go to miss. Toasters killed 87 times more people than sharks that year. <laughs> so well, how do you, you get killed by a toaster, though? Take it in the bath. Take it in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way you could be killed by a toaster. But surely you take it in the bath. That's the person just killing themselves. Like, you're killed by a toaster. You're not doing it by mistake. I also yeah. don't think that all of those people were made up of people bringing it in the bath, so. <laughs> wouldn't think too much into it. Yeah. Critics reviews then. <laughs> Critics reviews. Borat is the funniest film imaginable right now. Blimey. I did find this to be one of the more inventive, aggressively offensive and insanely tasteless comedies in many a year. And that's a thumbs up. <laughs> it wallows gleefully in its very un-PC humour. That's part of what makes it work so well. Cohen and director Larry Charles make the unthinkable funny, and in the process, might just get you to think about racism, bigotry, and sexism. What are you having a party there? Jeez. Huh. Borat is not only a very good comedy, but is also an interesting sociological experiment as to how numerous individuals in the USA would respond to a man such as Borat, and often the reactions are interesting and vastly entertaining. A couple more. Frequently uproarious and occasionally side-splitting, but it's very hit or miss. Prone to stretches of unnecessary crudeness and flat one-liners. In an era of stale, formulaic comedies, this uproarious and ribald faux documentary is like a hit of pure oxygen. And finally, I think what sums it up best, a rude punk rock snapshot of an America that quails at two men kissing, but cheers the notion of George W. Bush drinking the blood of every man, woman and child in Iraq. <laughs> so there you go this was my first time rewatching Borat since then I don't know about any of you how did you find it on the rewatch I enjoyed it to be fair like we were saying before I was a little worried that it may not have aged particularly well uh, no I enjoyed it at all. I, I, yeah, I, I, thought... I enjoyed it I thought there was some patches of kind of even though it was only an hour and 25 minutes long like we didn't need this but I suppose they may have, they might be the things that other people have as their highlights and all bits I found the funniest would be maybe what they're saying was unnecessary so I can see how it kind of has something for everyone some yeah, of it was a bit, some of it's a bit rough <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too sure because I remember watching it at the time not when it came out not thinking I don't find this like really funny uh or as much as as other people did um but yeah i think like you said there's it's one of those films where there's kind of little there's little moments or little brief spells where you think it's really funny and then there's uh, from my view there's a lot of moments where i'm not finding this funny and then the funny moment happens again and then you're waiting a while again um yeah 
Can you remember how massive this was at the time? I remember how massive it was at the time, yeah. I'd say the it impact made, it had a thing. It got to the point where you could buy someone like a Mankini or something funny, and it was that big that people... I've already got one of them. <laughs> Didn't you, did you have a Mankini? Yeah, I did. I was paid <laughs> yeah. to wear it in the street. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot less to me then, though, so it might not have been quite as terrifying. Although, <laughs> probably still not a pleasant sight. Um, the police were called on Sasha Baron Cohen 92 times during the production of this film. Yeah, Jesus. And not knowing that a film was going on, uh, the FBI actually assigned a team to Sasha Baron Cohen during the filming to track him because there was numerous reports of a Middle Eastern man travelling the Midwest in an ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's, there, there was a, there's a now closed FBI document in where they're looking into this Borat character. <laughs> the first time round, I don't think I realised just how much of it was literally just him going out into the public and doing whatever. Yeah. I, I assumed there was more actors involved than there were. If anyone believed that like homophobia doesn't exist, then they just need to watch like the first twenty-five minutes of Borat, <laughs> and you'd just be done. <laughs> Especially, I wouldn't. You, you you wouldn't want to be a gay man living in Texas. Christ. No. Um, when he's speaking in Kazakh, he's actually mostly just Hebrew disguised by a heavy fake Eastern European accent. <laughs> so like apparently he put a lot of like inside jokes in there. So if you can understand Hebrew, then you can pick up some jokes in there that not many of us do. It's probably um, it's a bit of a joke in itself, isn't it? For one of the, yeah, one 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 of it is one of the parts of the film is the Kazakhstani relationship to Jews, and then obviously he's yeah. speaking Hebrew. <laughs> but I didn't realise until I rewatched it and I did a little bit of research. The opening line is Polish. It's actually Polish for "How are you?" There you oh. go. Keenan's doing his homework. He's up in the levels. He really Sean is. And TK. <laughs> Where he says, uh, I'm not going to do the accent or anything, but where he says, yeah, yeah smash, and apologies if, I've, <laughs> apologies if I've just butchered Polish for anyone. Um, but apparently it means, how are you in Polish? Oh. Well, even these little phrases became like text tones, where, back where not everyone's phone was just on silence all the time. Whether it's him saying, well, well, we were, yeah, whatever it was, just a little clip like that. With yeah, text yeah. tones everywhere. Back when you used to have adverts on the TV selling text tones. And then you'd pay for it for like 20p and have like a £3 text if you hadn't pressed stop or something like that beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Johnny Depp, George Clooney and Steve Martin are all massive fans of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and contact him about having a cameo in the movie. But he said it would have ruined some of the gags if even they knew what was going on. So it's true. Isn't that's it? why yeah. they're not in there. I guess he, that didn't work for Bruno because you had like Harrison Ford, I think, in there and a couple of others. Yeah. Um, the village in Kazakhstan is called Glod and it's located in the Dambovita region of Romania. And Glod literally translates to mud. So that's something that glamorous. Probably wasn't being too kind there. But the villagers of that town were only paid three pounds for being in the film. Jesus. <laughs> Obviously, we had the, the government of Kazakhstan at first kind of tried to fight this, didn't they? Where I think there was mishaps where they would play like the fake Kazakhstani national anthem at the Olympics when someone won a medal and they had to redo it. 
they had it where they were doing press conferences. I know Sasha Baron Cohen did his own press conference outside the White House when uh, the leader of Kazakhstan was coming over for a meeting. And so they really got ridiculed. And then they did what you have to do, where eventually they just took it in their stride. And now if you look at their kind of holiday brochures, they put out out an advertisement in the New York Times stating what was true and what wasn't and saying, (laughs) come along to visit and all things like this. Uh, Seth Rogen made uncredited writing contributions. And the original director of this film was Todd Phillips. So we nearly had a Todd Phillips derby. Yeah. Um, he left the production after shooting the rodeo scene, citing creative differences. Mayor George Bush should drink the blood of every single man, woman and child of Iraq. May you destroy their country so that for the next thousand years, not even a single lizard will survive in their desert. And he was then replaced. Interesting. There you go. And so then the then director, Larry Charles, and you see this wasn't all filmed in chronological order. He's actually, you can see him and he's filming on uh, the subway and he's filming when there's the kidnap scene. So he's got the hidden cameras there when they're doing that. So he sat on there. Obviously, no one recognized who he was. So they did it. Um, the bodyguards of Pamela Anderson didn't actually know. They weren't in on the gag. She knew what was happening, obviously. But she didn't tell them, which is why he's taken down like he's properly being speared when you watch that's the That's mad. Yeah, yeah, we were saying so we were watching it. Like, we were assuming, no, they must be in on this because otherwise they could shit up. Well. Shooting. All the shooting in America. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> But they said she was in on the gag, hammed it up more than even they expected her to. Great and the three men, yeah, the three men in the motorhome tried and failed to sue the filmmakers and had the scenes removed in which they say uh, they wish they could still own slaves. Until <laughs> <laughs> it's eight o'clock, it's people setting off fireworks for Christ's sake. I was going to say I can hear some applause outside. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll get onto that scene because. That is maybe my favourite moment of the film. Not specifically that, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> only only cancel TK, not me. <laughs> there we go. I do think this is a competition. I think this clap is the NHS. They do. Jesus. Um, if we do the categories that we did last time and then we'll do the other ones that we can do to decide uh, kind of which is the winner. So yeah. for the best quote, what, what was your favourite when it comes to Borat? I was trying to think about this because in terms of like standalone quotes, I'm not actually sure. So I've got some here I can kick us off. So Borat him saying, uh, you're telling me the man who tried to put a rubber fist in my anus was a homosexual? <laughs> the bit at the start where he's saying, I get a clock radio he can't afford was one that was quoted. Him saying, uh, this is Natalia, then he kisses her. T- She's my sister, number four prostitute in the whole of Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, yeah the introducing the family being the locals was probably some of the best quotes. When you say, I can't remember who it is, he walks past it like the town rapist or something. Yeah. <laughs> he says, naughty, naughty. <laughs> it's hard to do these quotes without attempting yeah, an accent. Yeah. So uh, uh, when, when he says, her virgin hangs like the sleeve of a wizard robe. <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, buy my wife... Mm-hmm. Um, at the start, she was uh, cook good, her vagine worked well, and she's strong on plow. But after three years, when she was uh, 15, 
then uh, she become weak, her voice become a deep Borat, Borat. Uh, she uh, receive a hair on her chest and her vagine hang like sleeve of wizard. It says about Wait, like, his brother sorry. basically says his brother fucks it, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like, you'll yeah, never get this. So one time he break the cage <laughs> and he get this. <laughs> I think my favourite maybe was uh, him when he's at the gun shop. He says, I feel like American <laughs> movie star Dirty Harold. Go ahead, make my debut. <laughs> um, I also like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, it's just little little ones where he randomly just says uh, he insists we not fly in case the Jews repeat their attack at 9-11. <laughs> uh, this is had far too many mentions of 9-11 on this podcast this week. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately the next one's also a bit, is a reference to Jewish people as well, so I might seem a little anti-Semitic, but it's not. Well, it's going to be half the film, so we're going yeah. up to whether you can make I, this film after. I, I, I suppose, yeah, I might as well just lean into it. The other one I've got uh, is, although Kazakhstan is a glorious country, yeah, well, I'm not, not going to start making my own reference. <laughs> uh, although, although Kazakhstan is a glorious country, uh, it does have problems too. Economic, social, and Jew. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so good because it rhymes. <laughs> that is true, that one critic review where he says it's just good seeing how each different like little speck in America reacts to someone like Borat. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the car dealership where he's saying that if this car drives into a group of gypsies, will there be any damage to the car? And this might be just applied to all car salesmen, but they'll say anything to get the sale. Him saying it depends how hard you hit them and all that. And him saying if somebody rolls on a windshield, they could crack it. And then when he says, <laughs> how far do I need to guarantee to kill them? And he says, let me tell you, this vehicle here, probably 35, 40 miles an hour, I'll do it. <laughs> and anything for the sale. Yeah, he gets the guy's face and he says, uh, when I buy my wife at the start, she cooks good. The vaccine works well. She was strong on the plow. But after three <laughs> years, when she was 15, then she became weak. Her voice became deep. She, she receives hair on her chest. And that's when he says, on the zine, hang like sleeve of wizard. <laughs> yeah. She plow. She plow good. <laughs> when he first talks about Pamela Anderson, he says, this CJ was like no Kazakh one I've ever seen. She had golden hairs, teeth as white as pearls, and the asshole of a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. In my life, I was in love. <laughs> One of the other things, but in that hotel scene as well, where, he, where he's just looking at like the menu for room service, it's like it's been the same channel for I can't remember what the screen is because he just hasn't turned yeah. the TV up. <laughs> when he starts unpacking in the lift, and he's like, "You will not put me in a smaller room. I will not downgrade." <laughs> There's the chicken coming out of the suitcase. <laughs> so good. On the when he's leaving the hotel, it's in the drawer. He opens <laughs> the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, I arrived in America's airport with clothing of US dollars and a jar of gypsy tears to protect me from AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> when he's at the dinner party and he says, uh, in my country, they would go crazy for these two. And then points at the minister's <laughs> wife, and he's like, "This one, not so much." Yeah, but I think maybe the the hero of the film is that driving instructor. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he does. He did nice put his guy. lessons up to three hundred dollars each after because people wanted to book him just because he was in Borat. As if, wow, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Can we can we follow her? Maybe make a sexy time." 
He says it must be <laughs> consensual. I mean, that's good. He's like, not for me. <laughs> I don't I, like rewatching it. I'm not even sure if this is one of the best ones at all. But the, the, the whole scene where he's trying to teach him to tell jokes, he's like, oh, this scene yeah. is not black. Like <laughs> when you t- talk about impact and stuff, like that was. I don't know about what he was like for you lads at school, but I remember being at school for about four years afterwards, and I was still <laughs> get, that joke was still getting cracked out. Yeah. Um, the ending's perfect, isn't it? When they bring it full circle, and he's like, Pamela, I'm no longer attracted to you. And I say, <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I forgot the whole nap bit yeah <laughs> like, like, that, that was everywhere for a, for gonna a say while. that was wasn't it that was yeah. the end of lose how much do you think they told Pamela Anderson about what they were gonna say do you think she got to see the film before like to approve it you'd think she probably would she said the only thing keeping me going was my dream of one day holding Pamela in my arms and making a romance explosion on her stomach <laughs> The, the most horrifying is probably uh, at the rodeo beforehand when he speaks to that guy he was apparently like a notoriously racist homophobic every kind of like worst stereotype you have of like a redneck jeez and it's that guy where he says um, of course every picture we get back from the terrorists or anything it's the Muslims they look like you black hair and a black moustache to shave that moustache off so, you, so you're not so conspicuous or maybe just so you look Italian or something. Like, as far as from people looking at you, I see a lot of people and I think there's a there's a goddamn Muslim. I wonder what kind of bomb he's got strapped to him. Jesus. In in the ori- in the original cut, he says something about hanging gay people as well. Jeez. He says something along the lines of... Uh, you, you see someone that tries to kiss you on the cheek like that and it just makes you want to string them up. Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. But this wow. guy actually just gained in popularity after it because obviously there's a lot of people with the same viewpoints as him. So it did him no harm, which is mental when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. We'll go back to those those truckers who are on there with him who you think they're all kind of good guys until they start talking about how they want slaves and the minorities are the ones with the real power. But just when he says, uh, it's talking about games, and he says, you put a bit of cheese in the hole of your crumb and you let a mouse come to get it. That trucker, he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'll, Dead I, faced. <laughs> I also like the bit where they break the news to him about Pamaran or something. <laughs> he's like, she, she's no virgin. He's like, she is. <laughs> See, he genuinely crestfallen. It's probably the best bit of acting he manages in the old film. <laughs> you know, um, I've mentioned this in the trivia. In where they're like writing at the end, where it's all foreign, you don't understand it. Part of that says, and uh, thank you to uh, Isla Fisher for inspiring me every day. So she inspired Borat. So there you go. Incredible. Still rolls with that bit. I was just going to say, you're not a fan of that partnership, are you? <laughs> no. Gets into his core. I think this is like the second or third time he fought up on the pod. Definitely <laughs> the second. And it's like four, four weeks in. Hey, she's had Vince Vaughn there from Wedding Crashes. I let that slip through her fingers. My guy. We're very much Team Vince on this podcast tonight. I really like it. Hmm. We are. Any other quotes he wants to check out there that won't incriminate themselves? A hard push for this one. 
what about so if if we go on to scenes then and we should probably talk about one of the most notorious scenes which I'd somehow forgotten and wish I could have forgotten it the hotel fight that I was going to say that's probably the one that sticks in my head the most <laughs> filming that must have been rough they refused to play that on um, American TV so they'll play drinking the blood of every man woman and child but a scene <laughs> with a fat two uh, blokes fighting each other naked with even with censorship, they refuse to show that on their TV. When you see his balls basically clap him in the air. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I do Method like that. that is. Is. I do like the quote uh, or the little line he drops afterwards. He just like licks the clips and goes, my mustache will taste like your testers. <laughs> um, I wonder how, I wonder how close they had to get in for that, get, get in for that scene. Cause if he's, if he's had Azamat on top of him, then fair play. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen is game. I can imagine he probably is, but he's, you know, just let's just do it. Do he does it. see, he does seem the type who would have been like, yeah. He, well, I mean, you imagine he must have, he must have at least half written the scene. Yeah, because like the deep, the, the stuff that comes out, he seems like he's got probably has a bit of control. So he probably fought it up, and he was just like, all right, let's dive into it, and that probably means so gluten. He cited an argument he had after the film where um, Robert Murdoch couldn't comprehend why there couldn't be a sequel to the film <laughs> with him saying that like it won't work if everyone knows who he is yeah yeah and he says that he had like a proper argument trying to explain like i don't know why he can't understand why this wouldn't work <laughs> but apparently they did still try and push him to do it and he just refused and that's why he came out and said like i'm retiring ali g and borat so people could stop asking for a sequel. He snaps. Would probably be very irritating because it's not that hard a concept to understand. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you could remake this film today? What <laughs> 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 I'll ask. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. That's no. the chance. What would you say is the best moment or scene then? I think one of the bits that had me laugh out the loudest was uh, the shit in the bag at the dinner. <laughs> because the shit comes back in a bag and you can just Wait, see their faces. <laughs> wow. I like it. I like it, that etiquette, the etiquette meal as well, where, where, where they, so the one guy isn't working anymore and he calls him a retard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that woman that gives him the etiquette lessons is actually one of the only other people that sued about um, the film coming out and not because she was upset with the portrayal or anything but she didn't understand that it wasn't actually like a, a naked 14 year old that she'd been showed photos of what? so she, she didn't want to be on camera having seen those photos yeah yeah so they kind of told her and they said well look you've got no chance of not being in this because the, the three guys in the truck they went to court over it and the judge said, look, you said the things. You agreed to being filmed. You really have no leg to stand on. <laughs> Actually, only two of them sued. One of them was perfectly okay with how he was portrayed, so there's that. <laughs> Which is... Do you give him more or less credit <laughs> for being happy with what he is? 
like, it's a horrific it opinion. It's a horrific opinion, but I mean, at least it's actually his. It sounds his like, guns. Yeah, it sounds like the other two are just playing up because there's a camera there, and then they've later later realised the consequences, which makes you makes you a dick both ways. Or that's just how they are when they don't think <laughs> when they think they can get away with it. Yeah, but that, again, that just makes you a bigger dick because you just that's that's still them just playing up, isn't it? Yeah. What What would be your best moment or scene, Keenan? Oh, I'm going to go with the opener. It's just the introduction to Kazakhstan. That's about <laughs> the first 10 minutes or whatever it might be. Sean? Uh, yeah, if not the one that, that I mentioned, then I'd probably go for that opening scene as well. The introductions is really funny. So either of those two. I think I'd go for the scene in the truck for him, his realisation about Pamela, the guy saying they'll play <laughs> the game with the cheese them doing the like every drunk person thing do it in the pep talk saying you're better than this you're better than this you can't let her bring you down yeah that's that's, that's quite high up the list as well them realising the host of the BNB are Jewish is fucking <laughs> 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 hilarious he's got to scramble out of there <laughs> he doesn't want to try the food yeah <laughs> and then when the two cockroaches come under the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd assume I know which one of these two is going to win soundtrack but the way they put that scene together is perfect yeah 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 definitely are we um, not going to we're not going to talk about the, the music in, in Borat then yeah we are that's just later down on the categories oh, I think so I love it uh, best side character and this guess it has to be someone that the joke's been played on I guess yeah, I'd like go for the driving instructor Unless you want oh, Azamat you... as your uh, yeah, I was going to go. I was going to go Azamat. <laughs> I was going to go. I, I was going to go Pamela. Just to know if Azamat was it was in too it's too central to it. It only occurred to me part way through, and when I mean it occurred to me, like up when I was thinking about it, like that bloke actually looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in, he's in quite a lot of stuff. Like part of his the funny about it is how he looks and he actually looks like that. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's with some other. He's in some other stuff with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as well. I was about Hilarious to say, like, what do you mean he actually looks like that? And then I'm kind of really, yeah, that is that is a good point. He's like he's got hair up to like the top of his neck, like bef- like before his hair starts. Like you can see it's the different like type of hair. It's so weird. Yeah, disgusting. Everyone else's favorite side character. So do we get that? Yeah, I think you're. I guess yeah. maybe you were right about the uh, the car sales, but the fact that he doesn't break <laughs> and carries on still trying to sell him the car, despite he's discussing running over gypsies and stuff, is quite remarkable. <laughs> if this car drive into a group of gypsies, will there be any damage to the car? It depends on how hard you hit them and all that. It's hard. Hard. To yeah, hard. You might, if somebody rolls on the windshield, they could crack your windshield. How yeah. fast do I need to go to guarantee I kill him? I, let me tell you something. With this vehicle here, probably doing 35, 40 miles an hour would do it. Great. Okay. Um, well, soundtrack then. So, well, actually, sorry, MVP. Is is it anyone other than Borat on this one? <laughs> no. Yeah, you can't, no. you can't, can you? The fact we're struggling for a side character probably says a lot. Yeah. Um, soundtrack then. That Kazakh national anthem is legendary. That could have gone so much worse for him, really. 
There's probably some people today that genuinely believe that's the actual Kazakhstani anthem. Oh, I reckon if you we got those that group of people in that crowd together and you did a survey, more of them would say that was the real thing than not. <laughs> I honestly think. Have you ever heard the actual Kazakh national anthem? Because I, I, if you put if you put it on and asked me to, to guess it, I wouldn't be able to. But strangely enough, the Borat version. I the have version of the, the national Triple G fighting. Gonna say only by only by Golovkin. <laughs> Even I still couldn't pick it out. Let me tell you, I could pick out the Ukrainian one. That's a bang. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Lomachenko, I could I could listen to a bit more of this. It's a bang. Uh, that's why they always come to play at Eurovision. <laughs> um, the music of Corey Boucher is featured in Borat. And it's also, I can't believe that it's not been mentioned, but I haven't mentioned it as a quote where he says, oh, you know the music of uh, Corey Boucher? And then goes, bing, bong, bing, bong, bing. <laughs> Great, breaks me every time. How, how, how did he, or did he get flack at the time for saying the N-word? He said it in the hotel, and it shocked me yesterday when I heard it. Yeah, I was a little bit, almost like, did I hear that right? Like no, I, I don't seem to remember him getting a lot of flat for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, assuming he must have. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you would have got as much 15 years ago. Right. He right, made sure he said it with a with no R, and he thought that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I, like, I'm not sure if you would have done. To, I don't really remember it. That whole scene, the old scene where he's with the black the, the, the black blokes and walking through the hotel, like again, you just can't. There's no no way that goes in speak. today. <laughs> <laughs> what what's up, Vanilla Face? Um, <laughs> We're just a couple of pimps. No hoes. <laughs> Golden. And what about the ending of this? I thought. I don't know. I felt you could have taken some of this out because it was kind of like, and I'll say the same about Anchorman. I imagine, unless it's changed when I rewatch it. Even Step Brothers, to an extent, where it's essentially a load of sketches put together, so it's always going to be difficult to end it well. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like some of these podcasts we've been doing recently on a Monday, where essentially just start nowhere. Oh, thank you for listening. I know where him and uh, as a matter of friends again gives him a sack to chuck over Pamela, and that's just all right. Sam will go back to Kazakhstan now. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, sort of, it does, sort of does just fizzle, like you say, doesn't it? I mean, the funny about your thing about the sketches is that's, a, that's essentially where Borat came from, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was one of his sketches that he used to run on the Ali G show, and the popularity caused him to make a film. And did very well. <laughs> yeah, it did really well out of it. Um, but I'd say the, the endings, you might as well have just faded to black with, with the <laughs> last ten and just said, this is it. All right, yeah. let's do the. We'll pick out our winner now, then. So, which did you prefer? First question, obviously. Each of you, one after the other. Let me know which you preferred. Project X for me. Yeah, there's only Project two X. of you left. Project <laughs> yeah. X for me as well. Same again. I thought someone was doing some drawing. It's Project X for, for me as well. Um, which do you feel is the more rewatchable? Project X. I feel like I could watch it again tonight. Yes. Yeah. I could yeah. still get hyped. Especially that point that you 
that point you mentioned earlier about noticing things in the background, I'd want to watch it again just to see <laughs> what I missed. Uh, most quotable. I think Bora has, for me, has to win that one. Yep. I'd agree. I'm going with Project X, you know. Oh. And I didn't think, I just, I think there's, there's the amount of quotes we went through there. Like you, like you said, I, I didn't remember it from the first time watching it, but the second time around, you could have stacked this thing full of quotes. I think just the significance of some of the quotes, um, from Bora. Certainly if you're asking me, um, like which were most widely used, that for sure. But in terms of what I would yeah, sort of like, find the funniest quote to throw uh, back on, I would go with Project Yeah, him saying, him saying very sexy and all things like that. Very they nice were, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that and like in Little Britain was all you heard in your fucking senior school. Yeah, of course. And both of them... And people thought, saying garlic bread. Yeah, I thought like, both of them were what they were. They were funny, but maybe not, a little bit like Sean said, maybe not quite on the level that other people had it at, at the time. Well, this is why we have the two-pronged attack then. So best quotes, because for me, best quote would be from Project X. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Can I Can I go? If I, yeah, I would go with Project X, but I would probably be one that I don't think we mentioned. And it's just, just occurred. It's when they're in the back of the car and they're, they're the one that's oh. going to school and, J- and JB gives them a little finger and lesson. I don't care if she's 300 pounds. I have to fuck a girl with big titties. Oh, my God. Feel my drift, JB? Sure do. I mean, I'd love to get some oral. Or, you know, at least do some finger banging. <laughs> finger banging? Can, can you please elaborate? What you're going to do is you're going to take your first finger, your thumb, and your middle finger. Make a come here motion. Like, hey, come here. This is called the machine guns or the friendly scissors. It's called the circle of pleasure. The itsy bitsy spider. Tapping and circling. Tap, tap, tap. By the way, keep telling her how pretty she is the whole time. Shut the fuck up! Oh, yeah. I can't believe we've been recording for this long and we've not managed Christ. to. Not one of us has brought that up. Just as we were thinking about it, actually, that's probably the best quote from the two films. It is that perfect level of cringe. Oh, it's his voice where he says, hey, come here. Well, he says one of them is a machine gun, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you want to do a little come here motion with your hands? <laughs> he would have gone on for hours as well if he hadn't been smacked and told to shut up. I don't even know which one in particular is my favourite quote. I just know it's one of them. Because I was going to say, you could have any of these, can you? I think the, the one that would be even wheelchair Robert got a handjob or <laughs> fuck yeah, my boy Rob's in a rage. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be between wheelchair Rob getting a handjob and uh, the water and the semen. I do think are the, the funniest ones. <laughs> That's a great show as well. But, strange, but strangely, the scene if your dad has confidence, I'm working on something really different, really got me. I don't know why. I enjoyed him saying wear something tight every time as if I'd never heard him play it. <laughs> what did he say is something like, pretty girls wear something tight. Fat bitches stay home. <laughs> Okay, next category then. We've got best moment slash scene. The montage in Project X. Which the one? Party where uh, 
when Pursuit of Happiness comes on. Yeah. And yeah, just that flipped, just yeah, through it. Project, project X for me. Again, in a similar fashion to the quote one, I think you can have numerous moments we've mentioned on this as, as winning this. But Project X, yeah. Yeah. The way we're going, I think we might get lynched after this. The way this score's looking. Uh, um, best side character. I mean, we didn't really have one for four out there. By, by default, we've got to have it. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean our boy Rob can win the category? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Rob's been fortunate here. Yeah. <laughs> one that I, I can't see how we can go against Borat, really, and that's bigger impact. Yeah, for sure. That's just a slam dunk. That's... That was huge. <laughs> Originality, would you go Borat as well? I would go with it, yeah. The only thing like it is the the thing he's done before with Ali G, but even that's obviously yeah. slightly different. Yeah, and Bruno, and then I thought the dictator was horrendous. Yeah, I'd give it to I'd give it to Borat as well. Who would be your MVP across both films? So like one overriding one, so the winner of the category. I mean, I want to give it to someone from Project X, but it is very hard to go against Borat. Yeah, it would be between Borat and Costa for me, and I think Borat would take it personally I'm going to land the other side of the line I agree it's between those two for the competition but maybe it's because of preference for the film after the rewatch but I'm going to give it to Costa Sean uh, if I look at it from a sport point of view where an MVP doesn't get you don't get an MVP from a losing team so that's why I'd give it to Costa over Borat you have just turned down LeBron, though, effectively. I have, <laughs> yeah. But that's what you got to do. Best soundtrack we've already discussed. Which that's one ends better? To ask that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of uh, saying we've discussed that, haven't we? Pro- Project X does, yeah. Because yeah, Borat just kind of feels like they rushed that and ended it, but yeah. Uh, chemistry. Who's there really for boys to have chemistry with? <laughs> the whole thing is that he doesn't have chemistry with you, doesn't he? What about him and Azamat? Yeah, Azamat. Azamat is... <laughs> <laughs> they well, the fact that we hour, had... For an hour in the film. The <laughs> fact that we had the non-subtitle version as well, I mean, we literally had no idea yeah. what they were saying to each other. That's my bad. The, the DVD that we bought for that. That bloody like DVD. Oh, I was, I didn't even realise that. Yeah. But I knew, I obviously knew that subtitles weren't there, but I thought that was just part of it that we weren't meant to understand that, what they were saying. No, I, no, I was thinking something, it kind of added to it, didn't it? The fact that we didn't yeah. know and just kind of had to go off their actions, it was added to the comedy. Yeah, apologies. Um, so chemistry, that is Project X, so that gives us a final score. Of nine three to Sheesh. project nine four actually because they both got a point for um, MVP so nine four. I think that's fair. I don't think we've done. I don't think we've done either film a disservice, really. No, I think we've been objective there. Yeah, I suppose the plus point is to disagree with a decision. People are going to have to have listened. So. Uh, we're the real winners, either way. 
as long as they're talking. So that's uh, Project X versus American Pie in round two. Oh, Jesus. That's, that is tough. Jesus Christ. That's a great rewatch. Yeah. The, uh, the, sound, the soundtrack category in that one as well. Oh, that yeah. is tough. Last couple, last couple of questions then, as, as we always do. So, real star of the film, Costa for Project X. I mean, Borat, we've done, but real star of the film. With this, so, is there any is there any difference between real star of the film and MVP? What's yeah, because is- the, the premise is going back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where there was some debate as to who the real star of the film was, whether it was Ferris Bueller or whether it was Cameron. And okay. so Ferris Bueller is obviously the star of the film, but whether the real star of the film, and it's sometimes you have that side character. So it's perfect for American Pie, really. Well, yeah, Stifler might not necessarily be the MVP, but he's the star of the film. Yeah. Take, okay. it, take mm. it back to Sex Drive in week one as well. We had the exact same thing. Yeah. Seth Green is the yeah. real star of the film. But <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. True, true. Um, yeah, the, you probably have to give it to Costa, wouldn't you, over anyone else? Well, you can, you can make an argument then. for JB. Yeah, <laughs> I put my reputation on the line here with the recasting because I've pumped myself up previously. I'm actually, I was recasting Thomas a couple of times. I do have a couple of suggestions for Thomas, but I settled for, and I guess we're going to have to pick a known actor which would go against Project X but look, this is how the category works and I'm going to go for Rob the Neighbour being replaced by Jeremy Piven Jeremy okay. Piven if you've seen okay. Entourage you'd know yeah, that's I a great that. fit uh, I wouldn't mind Rob Riggle sneaking in to play, to play Rob the Neighbour um, not just for the namesake thing, I just think it'd be quite, the, the whole scene on the doorstep would be quite funny with his energy. That's not ringing a bell for me, I'll be honest. Rob Riggle is Randy and Step Brothers. He's oh, the, okay. He's the cop okay. in Hangover. Um, yeah, yeah, Quite nice. <laughs> he's, he's one of them who just throws in, he's just a memorable side character in a lot of stuff. That is a great name for him, actually. Yeah. <laughs> My other suggestion was I was thinking of who could play Thomas. And after some debating, I thought character-wise, you could take Kevin from American Pie and you could actually slot him in that role and it is essentially what he is. He the, He's the facilitator for the others to shine. The, the problem is, isn't it, with those roles, is like three guys in Project X, you could literally swap super bad man for man. And, and you could... They all fit the same sort of role. Obviously... They do it slightly differently, but they all have that type of what they are, don't they? Well, I, I went out on a limb and I thought that you could put a young Toby Maguire in there. Interesting. He's got that fragility. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or a young Hayden Christensen. Is that, is that, that's Anakin Skywalker, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. You take yeah. him more as he is in Jumper. Underrated okay. film as well, that is. No, it's not. <laughs> it is. And if we go in Tobey Maguire, then I think you can put an amped up James Franco in as Costa. Yeah. 
Uh, I was sorry. thinking you could have an older James Franco in as the creepy uh, old guy. <laughs> I feel like you would go to those parties. What, after that, them stories that came out about yeah. it, it's probably not, yeah. not a thousand percent away. Exactly, you can definitely see it, can't you? Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say uh, allegedly, I was going to say it's not even allegedly. <laughs> 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 they were genuine stories. No, Luke, I'm done, I'm done anyway, it's too late for allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. This will be TK's last week, so he might as well just <laughs> go out swinging that. Um, if the cast swapped, which film works best? This was blowing my mind, to be honest, just thinking about this. Um, <laughs> just trying to worry the ins and outs. I don't really know how this works. <laughs> I don't think it can work. Yeah, this, in this instance, it literally cannot be done. <laughs> We've broken the system. Okay, we'll, we'll move on then. So, final question. Question to end the podcast. If you add Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, does the movie improve? I think you can get them into Project X somehow. I think you can get them in there. See, I sort of agree with your point about Project X, about the half of the fun being the the fact that the the people in it are unknown. I think you can give them a, a Miles Teller level role. Okay. You get Vince Vaughn in there as. You can't get him in at the the neighbor. I don't you get think him in you the can neighbor, get, I don't think you get Owen Wilson as the creepy guy at the party. No, but you, need well. you need them Just together. have them as the policeman. Nice, easy, little, simple role there. I would quite like there five to, minutes. I would have quite liked to see him. It takes away one scene, but it'd be quite funny if they were just the two security guards for the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, because I like, like, one of the, we didn't mention it, but like, I find one of the funniest parts is when they're doing the radio show about it, and they're like, we heard Kanye turned up. Yeah, and like, I always, <laughs> always like it better without actually seeing him there, but just yeah, yeah, all of it. Uh, I could it see them in Bo- a party. They just didn't care. The candy was there. <laughs> I could see them in. I could see them in Borat. In a way, they could be like in on it in a way that Pamela Anderson was in on it, but like somehow Borat gets involved in a in a film that Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson are doing. Because the thing is, if you sprung something like that on Vince Vaughn, I reckon he'd be a right arsehole. So oh, yeah. I feel like you couldn't <laughs> spring it on him. You'd be seeing behind the curtain in a way that you don't want to. No, you know I mean, when he, when he rings up Linnell, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn turn up and they have a good time with him at the arcade. Just <laughs> <laughs> so Vince Vaughn saying, look at this guy, look at this guy. Every so often. But no, that is probably, that does us, Would, unless you have anything to jump in with, Keenan. No, 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 I'm happy. All right, so that's another one in the books, Movie Madness Episode 4. Next week, we have Liar Liar against That's My Boy. Good week. Good week. The four seed Famously never seed. seen That's My Boy. Yeah, if you didn't like um, Sex Drive, <laughs> oh, I'm interested to hear what you said. <laughs> my boy. Do you like Sandler? Uh, I do like Sandler, yeah. Do you like post-peak Sandler? Uh, probably not, no. You're going to you're gonna have to be in the mood for it. I would argue this goes back to some of his better, better stuff, though. It's the best post-peak Sandler. Yeah, I think so he I watched uh, this for the first time the other week, and I'd say it's 
him trying to climb back up the mountain. When someone rolls back the years, this is a, a rolling back the years performance. They can do it every week, but he has yeah. done this one. <laughs> this is this is Lynn Sanity. He had his week long stretch and then he kind of went back to <laughs> okay. what he does for signing that deal with Houston. Anyway, thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Thank you. <laughs>